Chapter 11 To his surprise, Jack managed to pull in a couple of unexpectedly good mysterious impressions that same evening. He had been determined to create at least one, because he felt he should not let the sun go down on a totally non-productive day. If anything, it had been up to that point counterproductive. After tea, Grandma had gone to her room to breathe and asked Jack if he could bring along some incense sticks. He went up, tapped, and entered. At first sight, Grandma's room did not look like a bedroom so much as a photographic studio. The walls and all possible surfaces were crowded with portraits and snapshots. There were pictures of Grandma and Grandpa on their wedding day, both looking distinctly apprehensive, Jack thought. What's that mean? Uh, a, little, a little worried and nervous about what was happening next. Uh. <laughs> yes, like kind of how, how did I get into this situation? Of Mr. and Mrs. Bagthorpe Jr. on their wedding day, and of all the young Bagthorpes as babies. What there was most of, though, was Thomas. <laughs> Thomas, seated on Grandma's lap, her shoulders and feet. Thomas, up trees, curtains, and drain pipes. <laughs> Thomas, washing his ears, tail, and toes. And Thomas, most of all, glowering and looking toothy in a way that other cats never look toothy. <laughs> Grandma was sitting in an upright chair with a large brass compass of Grandpa's on her lap. This is to line me up with the magnetic poles, she explained, seeing his surprised look. That sort of detail is important. She sounded like J.E. Fern of Mysteries. <laughs> Next thing, she would probably find out about the electromagnetic fields of the earth as well and start going around barefoot. She had selected two amber incense sticks and put one on each side of the dressing table nearby. Jack lit them, as Grandma composed herself in her chair. "'I'm quite excited,' she told him. "'You never know what might happen.' She closed her eyes, and began to inhale and exhale, very slowly and very noisily. It was like zero, snuffing, only in very slow motion. The thin spirals of smoke began to drift toward her in the slight draft from the window. "'Ah!' she let out a long, rapturous sigh. Jack was rather disappointed in Grandma. He honestly thought she was too old for this kind of thing. He knew and accepted that his Grandma would never be wise and calm, like other people's, but he had never thought she would go to these lengths. He stared at the reflection of the incense. The dressing table had a triple mirror, and so it looked as if Grandma were wreathed in incense, as she had been in the smoke from her doomed birthday candles. Watching the slow whirl and spiral behind her, he could see how easy it would be to go off into a trance if he kept watching long enough. "'What if I go off into a trance and can't come out of it?' came Grandma's alarmed voice. <laughs> it was as if she were voicing his own thoughts. Jack, still watching the threefold spiraling of the incense behind her left ear, did not reply, thinking she was speaking to herself, or at any rate that the question was merely rhetorical." nor did it occur to him that she would have opened her eyes, since it was hardly two minutes since she had shut them. There came a high, piercing scream. Grandma had shot right out of her chair and was staring into the dressing-table mirrors. Her own distraught face was in there now, veiled in the swirling incense. "'What is it?' she shrieked. "'What do you see?' Now, Jack had not meant to do an M.I. on Grandma. But as she was already in as much of a lather as if he really had, there seemed no point in wasting an opportunity. Even if he said he had seen nothing, she wouldn't have believed him. I saw swirling 
like clouds drifting, he said slowly, and to some extent truthfully, still staring into the mirror, then embroidering. It is as if the heavens were opening. Oh, moaned Grandma. Then, you don't see any faces. Tell me you can't see any faces. Giant Jack shook bubble. his head. No faces, he told her, definitely. I've never seen a face. Not yet. Nor a hooded figure? Jack shook his head again. There was a tap on the door, and William poked his head in. Grandma sat down again suddenly. "'Anything up, Grandma?' he asked. Then, "'Pooh, that horrible smell!' <laughs> "'I think we had better put them out,' Grandma told Jack. "'You take them back. I've changed my mind.' "'I'm not surprised,' William said. "'Who was that screaming just then?' "'I heard no screaming,' replied Grandma, without batting an eyelid. Because "'Perhaps you imagined it.' Jack was astonished. "'It is an unusual thing to catch one's own Grandma telling a fib.' "'I don't imagine things,' said William.' There's something rum up. He sounded just like Mr. Bagthorpe. Jack was annoyed by his inquisitorial manner. It could have been a disembodied voice, he suggested. Funny we didn't hear it. He decided that, as Grandma had fibbed, it was not only okay for him to do so too, but more or less his duty to back her up. A flicker of uneasiness passed over William's face. After all, there are such things. Jack pressed his point home. "'You spend half your time listening to disembodied voices.' <laughs> "'Disembodied my foot,' said William. "'It's radio. It's different.' <laughs> "'I don't think it is,' Jack said. "'I think it's exactly the same. "'You never see any of these people. "'You only hear their voices. "'So how do you know they're real?' "'They... they've got numbers,' William said. "'They're in a book. You can look them up.' "'Not anonymous from Grimsby, you can't.' "'Jack felt he had him now.' "'Funny, the way he hasn't got a number, and you can't look him up in the book.' "'He's a pirate,' said William. "'Or a disembodied voice,' said Jack. <laughs> "'Go away!' Grandma stood up again and flapped her hands at them. "'Go away, both of you. I don't want to hear any of it. And tell Rosie I want her.' "'Sorry, Grandma,' Jack said as he took his incense sticks. "'I didn't really see anything much.' "'In the corridor outside,' Jack said thoughtfully. "'Funny?' the way that Anonymous from Grimsby is always talking about intelligences in outer space. "'What do you mean, funny?' demanded William. "'I mean, funny,' said Jack, in what he hoped was an ominous tone. "'Go away, I said,' came Grandma's voice from behind the door. "'I can still hear you.' <coughs> Jack went back along to his room and shut the door. The second M.I. was also accidental. Jack found his eyes being constantly drawn to the box labeled Crystal Ball First Quality. Uncle Parker had had to pay a hefty deposit on it, and in a way it was probably the best prop Jack had. It would be a pity for it to have to go back to mysteries without having had an airing. Jack admitted to himself that he did not much want to stare into it all on his own in his room, particularly in the evening. On the other hand, nor did he feel like taking it downstairs and planting it in the middle of a table and giving a public performance with it. He had not had any practice at this. There were all kinds of other arguments against this, too, not least among them the possibility that Mr. Bagthorpe would seize it and hurl it into the fireplace or somewhere, so costing Uncle Parker his deposit and Jack up to a year's pocket money. He decided on a compromise. He thought that if he were out of doors, 
he would probably be able to bring himself to stare into it. He did not know why it would feel safer to gaze out of doors, but he was sure it would. I'll take zero, he thought. Then, if he stiffens, or his hairs stand on end and he starts off howling, I'll know to pack it in. Accordingly, he sneaked out with Zero at his heels, and took the box into the shrubbery beyond the back lawn. He took it only just inside the shrubbery, and not too far from the house. He remembered J. E. Fern's sepulchral warnings about dabbling. "'I promise I'm not dabbling,' he said out loud as he squatted behind a rhododendron, and gently lifted the crystal ball from its box. He hoped whatever was in the ball had heard him. He repeated the words. "'I'm definitely not dabbling,' he said. "'I'm dead serious.' The crystal ball looked very fragile and unearthly lying on the leaf-strewn ground by a laurel, with the lowering rays of the sun striking off it. <sighs> Jack's knees were beginning to wobble, so he changed from a crouching to a sitting position. He had been crouching in much the way runners do in a race, poised to get off to a good start. "'Lie, Zero, he commanded. Zero lay immediately. He had been on the point of doing so anyway. 